Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Assalamu alaykum. Uh, welcome to, to you guys that are here in person. Uh, welcome to anyone who uh, might listen to this podcast at some later time online. Um, yeah, we are back after a long, long break, you know, uh, due to COVID. Um, so, yeah, alhamdulillah, we're able to be back together again in person here at uh, Melbourne Uni. Um, I'll get straight into it. Um, uh, our discussion today uh, will be on um, an issue that sort of seems to come up, you know, uh, reasonably often, you know, um, uh, yeah, do hear questions about it, you know, re- reasonably often. Um, and that's the issue of uh, what's known as qadr. Uh, qadr uh, is translated uh, sometimes, you know, not so correctly as uh, divine predetermining. Um, but the better translation is just divine determining um, for reasons which, you know, maybe I'll get into um, uh, well, you know, just very quickly because Allah uh, is a timeless being. Okay. Um, to speak of Allah as, um, you know, in terms of predetermining something uh, can give rise to confusion, you know. Uh, if he predetermines something, he predetermines it, um, like as in, he does it temporally prior, okay. He does things in a way that's temporally prior, but only from our perspective, only from the perspective of us uh, temporally bound beings, right. So, you know, here we are, we're in time, you know, um, and Allah has predetermined things in the sense that He's determined them prior to, you know, um, the existence of this universe, let's say. Um, and we understand that prior to as being prior in time. But from Allah's perspective, that can't be the case because He's not in time. So if things are done previously by Him, uh, yeah, that's got to be understood in some sort of non temporal way. Um, it's got to be understood as uh, in terms of a relationship of logical rather than temporal priority, you know. Um, so Allah's determining what's going to happen in this universe is logically prior to the creation of the universe, but not temporally prior to it. Like, in a sense, Allah does it all at once, okay. I mean, but even that, even that's to use temporal language, which can give rise to confusion, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, because we're talking about an atemporal being, all kinds of confusions can can arise um, yeah if we're not careful with the terminology that we use so for that reason divine determining is the better way to think about it uh, the better way to translate the term um, we're going to try to understand uh, you know a number of um, relationships okay um, what is the relation between um, this business of divine determining like, I mean first of all what is what is it? Divine determining, we'll certainly um, discuss that. But moreover, like what is the relation between divine determining and related things like um, human free will? Okay, um, like do humans have free will? Right? That, that's one question that you might ask. Uh, you know, what sort of free will do we have if, if we have free will? Um, what's the relation between kader and that? And also, what's the relation between kader and free will? And this third set of issues. Um, being um, responsibility for actions, yeah? Um, like, if Allah has determined everything, who's responsible for what happens in the universe? Um, 
if I have free will, you know, um, am I the one who's responsible, for example? Um, or, uh, yeah, or is Allah the one? Seeing as Allah has determined everything, right? Allah has planned everything in a sense. Right? Is Allah the one who's responsible for what occurs? Or are there some things for which I'm responsible and other things maybe for which Allah is responsible? There are a whole gamut of issues of that nature. Um, and they're very often misunderstood um, or understood in a confused way, even by, um, you know, religiously observant, educated, um, you know, uh, pious Muslims. Okay, very often um, misunderstood, which is exactly why Bediman Said Nursi discusses it here in his twenty-sixth word. So, um, yeah, in general, that's what we'll what we'll discuss. Um, I should. I've got here like maybe yeah two pages of reading, well not even two pages of reading. Um, generally in these sessions, I try to keep the readings quite short, um, and we do sort of more explanation and discussion of that than than just pure reading. Um, um, I encourage persons to sort of go away later on, and you can access this treatise uh, for free online. Um, yeah, I can point you in the right direction for accessing that. But yeah, I encourage you to sort of read definitely further in your own time, um, um, both to you know um, refresh your memory of what we've discussed in these sessions, but also just to um, you know further further your understanding. Um, uh, therefore, I should say a couple of words about what this treatise is. Right? I mean, this is just one of the books of the Risale Nur. Um, Risale Nur, treatise of light or epistles or letters of light. Okay, it's translated as light being nur, right, nur, risali, nur. Um, this is one of four main books of the risali, nur. Okay, it's called The Words. Okay. You can get a gist of what it's about by um, its subheading here, right? On the nature and purposes of man, life and all things. Okay, uh, and that's exactly, exactly what it's about. You know, it's very much that all-encompassing, you know. I'm just going to shut that, if you don't mind, thank you, yeah. Just to sort of cut out that ambient noise. Yeah. yeah, so... There are four main books here. And the most succinct way to think about these books, right, is like this. I mean, they are a tafsir of the Qur'an in the non-classical sense, right? So in the classical sense, tafsirs are like this, right? Um, uh, they give a, you know, line by line, a word by word, you know, an ayat by ayat um, explanation of the most obvious or, you know, most literal meanings of the Qur'an, okay? Um, but... It's accepted by, um, you know, all of our um, rightly guided scholars that the Qur'an has great, great depth of meaning, layers and layers of meaning, okay? Um, what Bedouzaman Sayyid Nursi, right, the author of these, uh, this treatise, what he um, focuses on in this tafsir, right, um, is looking to those deeper meanings, right, but particularly those aspects of the Qur'an that relate um, most directly to our present needs, right? Our present concerns, okay? Um, you got to understand, this was written um, at a time where, um, you know, like Bejizaman's from, um, he's of 
Kurdish uh, ethnicity, uh, Ottoman Turkish nationality. Um, he lives at a time of great, great upheaval in the Islamic and indeed the, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, in the whole Islamic world and indeed in Turkey. Turkey at, at around that time, you know, was the seat of the Islamic Caliphate. Um, then, you know, the Ottomans are defeated, uh, the, the Caliphate is uh, disbanded. Um, in order to capitalise on that um, defeat, the enemies of the Ottomans, right, the enemies of the Islamic world, um, what they thought would be a good idea to try to do was to secularise the Islamic world as much as possible, right? You know, in the same sort of way that we see, um, you know, the Christian world ha having, you know, to various extents, you know, uh, become more and more distant from uh, the teachings of the Bible, teachings of Isa salam, uh, yeah, you know, more and more secular. I mean, like, for example, just go to any um, Sunday church service and um, look at the way um, worshippers there are addressed compared to how they would have been dressed, you know, even, say, in the 1950s, right? Um, yeah, like, countless examples could be given. The idea was to try to take the Qur'an from the believers, Right. Um, get the Muslims, right, first and foremost, starting with starting from the seat of the former, you know, capital of the Islamic world, starting from that place, right, let's try to take um, the Quran from the people, right? And this was quite an explicit um, objective. This was an objective that was spoken about quite openly, for example, in the British Parliament. Right? Um, you know, we've got to take the... In, until we take the Quran from them, um, you know, we won't truly succeed. Right, because the Quran, right, and its teachings, you know, and our, you know, our religiosity, our our Muslimness, you know, the fact that we're an Ummah is really what unites us and makes us, um, you know, um, difficult to overcome. Okay, uh, so the idea was to secularize the Islamic world, starting from Turkey, and to do that, they did all sorts of things. You know, um, like they banned. Um, you know, uh, the study of the uh, Qur'an in groups. Like, you could not get together to do what we're doing right now. Um, they shut down all the uh, madrasas. They shut down, for example, all the um, Sufi tekkas, right, places where, um, you know, Sufis would come together to do dhikr and um, forms of worship like that. Um, they banned, for example, the uh, calling of the azan, yeah? Um, uh, for a long time, there was no azan called, but then, after much public outcry, um, they allowed the azan to be called, but in a Turkish translation. Um, so you can imagine, these were like heady times, right? These were, um, yeah, yeah, really, really um, tough times, you know, for the believers. This Risale Nur is Betusman's response to that, you know. Um, at, a, at a time and place where they're trying to um, take the Quran from us, meaning they're trying to make us distant from our religion, right? get us to try to practice our religion, you know, in a much more minimal sense, right? In a very private sense, let's say, you know, uh, none of this sort of getting together and, you know, leaning on one another, helping one another, you know, and worshipping uh, communally, publicly. No, you know, if you're to worship at all, you know, at the very most, you know, just on your own. Um, and we know what happens, um, you know, uh, when we lift our own devices, you know, of course, you know, we, we waver in our faith. Um, so this is Bedouzaman's response to that, okay? Um, he focuses on those aspects of the Qur'an that um, are going to um, fortify uh, Iman, okay? Um, the very basics of, um, you know, what we're created for, okay? The fact that we're created 
to do nothing other than to worship, right? That we and and what does it mean indeed to worship? Yeah, you know, uh, to worship, for example, is to come to know Allah and then to express that. Um, uh, it focuses on those aspects of the Quran that look to those sorts of issues. Okay, um, so therefore you'll find in it um, uh, lots of discussion of. Um, Allah's names and attributes, you know, what kind of a being is Allah? Um, how should we come to know Allah? How should we best worship him? How should we come to know and love him and then express that love? Um, how should we uh, know that Allah exists? Okay, what is the um, evidence for Allah's existence and his unity and indeed all his names and attributes? Okay, um, uh, yeah, you're going to find in, in the Risali Nur, uh, things like that. Um, yeah, and that's going to include, uh, you know, areas where we go wrong, like in our worship, right? It's going to focus on, like, it's not a book of fukah. However, it will focus on um, some issues related to jurisprudence, like certain things that, you know, we should, uh, that we need to be reminded, uh, a haram, for example, uh, you know, like one of the main ways that we go wrong, for example, is in things like backbiting, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, like... Um, uh, so it'll focus on issues like that um, and if our understanding of Allah um, or any of the tenets of faith are in any uh, are sort of um, in a general sense faulty like you know as in lots and lots of us misunderstand it then he'll focus on that um, so that's what the Risali Nur is okay um, and one last thing that I'll say is that really like it, 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 I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, okay? Um, what the Risalian ends up doing, right? It ends up acting as a well-defined path, right, um, to coming to know Allah, okay? That's probably the most succinct way to describe it, you know? Yeah, sure, it is a tafsir in a non-classical sense, and you know, it is all those things that I said, but really what it is, if it's, if it's um, you know, studied, like, as a lifelong enterprise, Okay. If it's studied and um, if we try to internalise its message, in other words, if we put it into practice, you know, rather than just treat it as a scholarly exercise, right, if we try to live in accordance with it, which really just translates into living in accordance with and internalising the Qur'an right, and its message, if we do that, what will happen is that we will tread a path to Allah, meaning that right, we will come to... Um, to the extent of our own individual capacity, we'll come to know Allah. And why is that important? It's because that's the very purpose of our creation. Okay. We were created to do nothing other than that. That is the very essence of what worship is. Okay. Um, you know, all the kinds of ritual worship that we do, salah, uh, sawum, um, you know, Ramadan and so on, uh, hajj, zakat, all of these things, um, you know, they're just all so many ways of... Um, coming to know and expressing our knowledge of Allah, okay? That's a very important thing to bear in mind, right? Um, if we can understand that about the Risali Nur, right, pretty much anything that we read there, right, uh, can be understood in relation to it, you know? Uh, if, if we ever uh, look at something, um, it would pay to wonder, okay, you know, uh, in what way, um, like what I've just read, what, what we've just discussed today, how is it serving that particular purpose of coming to know and worship Allah? Okay. If we keep that in the back of our minds, um, yeah, we'll be able to get the most benefit out of this. Okay. Um, all right. So this is the this is uh, the twenty sixth word right, um, on divine determining, and it starts off here um, with uh, like 
like with all of its um, treaties, it starts off with um, uh, a verse or two from the Quran. Um, got the Arabic here. Uh, um, I'll, I'll give the Arabic and the English, okay? Um, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Wa in min shayin illa indana khazainahu wa ma nunazziluhu illa bi qadarim ma'lum. Okay, and another one. Wa kulla shayin ahsaynahu fi imamim mubin. In English, um, the way those verses are rendered is as follows. In the name of Allah, the merciful, the compassionate, and there is not a thing but its sources and treasures inexhaustible are with us. But we only send down thereof in due and ascertainable measures. Okay, and that second verse, and of all things we have taken account in a clear book. Okay, now Bedouzaman starts. Divine determining, Qadr, and the power of choice, which is in the original, Juzi um, Ihtiyar, or Juzi Irade, right? Juzi meaning small, right? uh, limited. That's the nature of our free will. It's limited, okay? Um, we'll get into that, okay? Um, divine determining and the power of choice, the limited free will are two important matters. We shall try to disclose a few of their mysteries in four topics. Okay. Today we're going to look at just the first topic and just a part of that indeed. Okay, okay first topic. Divine determining, Qadr, and the power of choice are aspects of belief that pertain to state, the hal, and conscience, wujdan which show the final limits of Islam and belief. They are not theoretical and do not pertain to knowledge. Okay. Uh, I should just uh, mention at this juncture, guys, that this, this English translation, uh, it can, to persons unfamiliar with it, it can be at times inaccessible, like difficult to understand. Um, uh, that sentence there, for example, is particularly difficult to understand, but often what Bedizaman does is that in the very next sentence, he explains what he means by that first sentence, right? So, uh, and in any case, we're going to get into much greater depth about you know uh, the main points of what we read so please don't be put off um, uh, if the English translation sometimes seems difficult you know because it's written in a certain style of English that can be tough okay um, and by the way it's also being retranslated um, yeah I can announce that it's being retranslated as we speak so you know inshallah that yeah we will have a more accessible translation eventually so um, okay so what does he mean by that sentence there, right? He's going to say now. That is to say, a believer attributes everything to Almighty Allah, even his own actions and his self, till finally the power of choice, right, free will, confronts him. And he is not saved from obligation and responsibility. It tells him, you are responsible and under obligation. Then, so that he does not become proud due to the good things and perfections which issue from him, Qadr confronts him, divine determining confronts him, saying, know your limits. The one who does them is not you. Yes, divine determining and the power of choice are at the final degrees of belief in Islam. The former, 
right, divine determining, has entered among the matters of belief to save the soul, the nafs, from pride. And the latter, free will, right, has entered right, among the matters of belief. Why? To save it from lack of responsibility. To cling to qadr so that obdurate evil commanding souls, what's the evil commanding soul? The nafs al-ammare, right? the evil commanding soul. We'll get into these uh, over time, children. To cling to Qadr so that the nafs al may save, may save themselves from the responsibility of the evils they have committed. Okay, I, should, I should reread that, sorry. To cling to Qadr so that the nafs may save... Oh, sorry. To cling to divine determining so that evil commanding souls may save themselves from the responsibility of the evils they have committed and to take pride and become conceited on account of the virtues bestowed on them and to rely on the power of choice. All these are actions totally opposed to the mystery of Qadr and the wisdom of the power of choice. They are not matters pertaining to knowledge which give rise to such actions. Indeed, among ordinary people who have not progressed spiritually, there are occasions when qadr may be used, when it may be relied upon. But those are, what are they? They are just calamities and disasters when it is the remedy for despair and grief. It should not be used for rebellion and in matters of the future so that it becomes a cause of dissipation and idleness. That is to say, the question of Qadr has not entered belief to save people from obligation and responsibility, but to save them from pride and conceit. Whilst the power of choice has entered among the tenets of faith to be the source of evils, not to be the source of virtues, so that people become like pharaohs. Okay, just a little bit to go. Yes, just as the Qur'an states, man, right, mankind, us guys, completely responsible for our evils a man is completely responsible for his evils for the one who wishes the evils is he since evils are destruction man may perpetrate much destruction with one evil act and he becomes deserving of of an awesome punishment like burning a house with one match however conversely he does not have the right to to take pride in good deeds. His right or his share in them is extremely small. For what wants and requires the good deeds is rahmah, divine mercy, right? Allah. And what creates them is dominical power, Allah's power. Both request and reply, reason and cause are from Allah. Man only comes to have them through dua, supplication, belief, consciousness and consent but what wants evil acts is man's nafs man's soul either through capacity or through choice just like how in the white and beautiful light of the sun some substances become black and putrefy and the blackness is related to their capacity but the one who creates the evils through a divine law which comprises numerous benefits is again almighty Allah that is to say the cause and the request are from the nafs so that it is the soul the nafs which is responsible 
And as for the creation and bringing it into existence, which belong to Almighty Allah, since they have other results and fruits which are good, they are good. It is for the above reason that to commit or desire evil is evil, but the creation of evil is not evil. Okay, So to commit or desire evil is evil, but Allah's cre- creation of that which is apparently evil right, is in fact not evil. A lazy man who receives damage from rain, for example, which comprises many instances of good, may not say that the rain is not rahmah. Yes, together with a small or minor evil in the creation and giving of existence are numerous instances of good. Okay, so I'll repeat that. Yes, together with a minor, minor evil in the creation and giving of existence right, to that rain, right, which the man has received uh, damage from, right, are numerous instances of good. To abandon that good for a minor evil becomes a greater evil. Therefore, the minor evil becomes like good. Okay? And this is a key point. There is no evil or ugliness in divine creation. Okay? Nothing that Allah creates, nothing that he does is in the true sense evil or ugly. Okay. He only does good. They, evil or ugliness in the true sense, pertain rather to his servants, right? us, his abs. His servants wish and to enter our servants' capacity. Okay. He um, goes on there for some time. Um, I'm going to stop there. Um, yeah, and let's unpack what he's just said there, okay? Um, in our remaining time, um, let's talk about what he said there, okay? So, how do we find the English translation? Uh, did we get anything out of it? Did we get much out of that at all, uh, guys? I'm just interested to know. Like, for, uh, I take it you guys are relatively new to Risali Nur? It's the first time that I've heard something in English. Like that? Okay. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, uh, what about yourself? Oh, you just struggle or easy or hard? Or? Yeah, it was on the trickier Yeah, yeah. Some, some, yeah, good, 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 yeah. And that's what you could do. You just got to latch onto those, you know. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, like over time it becomes, you know, easier. Like being of Turkish background, uh, I've got the advantage of also being able to refer to, to the uh, Turkish and a whole wealth of. Um, uh, information available, you know, um, uh, online and, you know, through some colleagues, you know, um, in the academic world, you know, to sort of, you know, un- unpack this sort of stuff. Um, um, but yeah, you know, the English is tough. Um, let's start right from the start, you know, like, let's try to understand, you know, what Kadet is, right? Um, the first thing to know about Kadet, well, actually, it's usually understood in terms of, like, two concepts, right? Like, it's not just Kadet, but also Kadar, Kadar and Kadar, right? Um, Think of Kader as like this, right? You know, um, uh, like to give an analogy from the human world, right? Let's pretend that, you know, um, I'm someone who wants to um, uh, build a building, right? I want to build a building. Um, I've got architectural and drafting skills, let's say. I'm, I've got design skills too. And I've also got building skills, right? Just pretend I've got all those skills. Um, so what I do, first, I make a plan, right? Then I, in my mind, I have... A plan, an intention for how I want this building to turn out, yeah? Um, that can be understood, right, as analogous to Qadr, 
right? Qadr, right, is just this fact that um, Allah has not created um, the, this whole created realm, right? Everything that He's created, not just our world, not just our universe, but you know, all of the seven heavens and all of the realms, all of the eighteen thousand worlds, as it's you know sometimes referred to. Everything that Allah has created, right? um, He's created them intentionally. Right? with an intention, right? with um, an objective. Right? He very much wanted to you know, create them. Uh, yeah, it's not that, it's not as though he's somehow you know, uh, created these unwillingly, you know, or without a plan, without an intention. No, um, he has planned, right? logically prior to creating it, he has planned every single detail of it right down to the smallest, most infinitesimal detail, right down to the very, you know, fundamental particles of this universe, you know, and what properties they're going to have and how they're going to move and how many of them there are going to be, you know. What, what, what it's saying, that verse that we read, um, you know, uh, that Allah, um, he only sends down, right? right? So uh, there is not a thing, but its sources and treasuries inexhaustible are with us. But we only send down thereof in due and ascertainable measures. Right? He's measured out every single thing. Like he's decided exactly the quantities and qualities and properties of every single thing. Okay. Uh, nothing is by chance. Nothing is haphazard. Okay. Um, the other verse he says, and, and of all things we have taken account in a clear book. Right? So not only has he made this plan, but he's actually created a record of it. Right? So pretend, you know, um, pretend I'm that architect or that draftsman, you know, who plans that building. What do I do? You know, I draw some plans, don't I? Some blueprints, yeah? Some architectural drawings. Uh, some maybe, if I'm an engineer, a whole bunch of mathematical equations and so on, right? There is, in a way that we don't know, like, you know, as in, we don't know the true nature of it, we don't know it's mahia, in other words, okay? Like, um, you know, we don't know, like, is it in, you know, is it in a book written with, um, you know, uh, ink, you know, on, on a paper, with cover? Like, we don't know any of those sorts of details, right? Most of us don't know those sorts of details about what this book um, is like, but it exists. Right? And it has a name even, it's called the Lawfa Mahfuz, right? the preserved tablet. Okay. The Lawfa Mahfuz is just the record of Qadr. Right? It's Allah's record of every single thing that he creates and every single event in which those things are going to be involved. And that includes us, right? Right? every single one of us and every single... Um, property that we have, right? from the colour of your eyes to exactly how many hairs you'll have on your head. All of that has been planned by Allah and indeed recorded in some way. And some high-ranking beings, they even actually um, experienced this record. They've seen it or experienced it in some way. Some high-ranking angelic beings, you know, um, uh, most likely our, our Prophet wasallam, especially on his miraj, on his ascension, you know, where he took a tour, if you like, of all of creation. He would have um, no doubt seen it. Um, some beings have seen it. Okay, um, so yeah, Qadr um, exists, right? It's there. It's literally a record. Now, Qadr is this. It's the putting of that plan into motion. Yeah, just like the builder, right? He's he's written out a plan. He's drawn some pl plans. Then 
based on those plans, he in fact constructs his building, doesn't he? Yeah, well, exactly like that. Right? Allah has an intention, right? has a way that he wants this world to be. Right? He even creates a record of that. Um, and then he puts that plan into motion. Right? And that's Qadr. Okay? Um, now, I said that this plan, it encompasses every single thing. Okay? Um, now, we need to believe this. Right? We need to believe this. Why? Because it's one of the six um, pillars of faith, indeed. Right? You know, who can remember the six things that we have to believe? Right? Um, let's try to remember them. Okay. Of course, we have to believe in Allah with all of His names and attributes. Right. Second one, we need to believe in the existence of a realm of angelic beings. Right. There are all kinds of angelic beings um, that Allah has created. We have to believe in the Quran. Right. Yeah, divine scriptures. Right. The Quran and all of the holy scriptures. Um, you know, um, we uh, so one, two, three. Um, we have to believe in prophets. Right? Allah has sent prophets, right? Messengers, peace be upon them all. Um, uh, five. Uh, now I might get the order of the last two wrong. Um, we need to believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Number five is um, in a day of judgment, right? And all of the events that occur in and around that day. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, right. So. There's going to be a day of judgment where we're going to be held to account. Right? We've got to believe this. Number six, we've got to believe in the fact that there is qadr. Right? Qadr and qadr. How does it go? Um, both the good of it and the evil of it. Right? Um, so what does that mean? Right? We need to believe in qadr, both the good and the apparently evil. Um, there's this problem, right? Um, some persons, right, both Muslim and non-Muslim, right, um, persons have made the mistake over the ages of thinking that, like, look, seen as though Allah or God um, is a being of absolute perfection and beauty. Okay. Uh, he does only good. Therefore, um, certain things like, you know, um, uh, floods, you know, um, earthquakes, tsunamis, um, murders, um, thefts, things like that that occur. Um, so both uh, natural evil and the evil, uh, you know, committed by, uh, apparently committed by, you know, created beings, that these things are not due to Allah, okay? Some things are due to Allah, right? But other things are not due to Allah, all right? For example, yeah, you know, um, like some have gone so far as to say, you know, there's this sort of second entity. Uh, they even gave him a name. I mean, these aren't Muslims, right? Um, they had like a demigod called Ahriman or something similar to that, right? And that entity is the one that creates the earthquakes and the tsunamis and, you know, the asteroids hitting planets and things like that, right? Um, you know, all this sort of um, evil stuff, right? All this stuff that's unpleasant to us, right? that's not from Allah. Um, no, uh, that's from someone else, right? Uh, or, yeah, you know, if like the physical event in which um, one man gets his fist and punches another man unjustly in the face, right? That physical event, um, yeah, that's created by that man himself, you know, uh, and not by Allah. Now, that, all of that, right, rests on a major, major misunderstanding, okay? Um, what it is to believe in Qadr is to believe this, right, that every single event that occurs out there in the physical world, every single event, right, is, is created by one being and one being alone, right? Like, it's contrary to belief in Allah and his unity to think that there are other beings that have got power to, for example, create earthquakes, 
you know. Um, like, what do you need to do to create, for example, a tsunami? Well, you, know, you need to be able to move particles and molecules, don't you, right? So there, 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 there's a whole bunch of molecules of um, water. Right? You need to be able to move them from one location in space to another. Only Allah has got the power to do that, right? Allah, guys, what, what we are aiming to do in these sessions, remember, is to, to know Allah, right? So he, he, here's one thing that we can know about Allah straight away, right? His power, right? His qudra, right? His name of Qadir, right? the all-powerful. Right? What it means is this, right? That there are no other beings that have power, right? Not one of us has the power to move a single particle. Right? So therefore, if I reach out and grab that, Right? What happens is that Allah moves all that. Right? See that arm and all its particles? Yeah, Allah moves them all. <laughs> okay. Um, and when I drink the water in that, right? um, Allah, Allah is the one who makes that water go down my esophagus and then go into my stomach. And then indeed Allah is the one who brings it about that that water is digested you know, uh, in that stomach. Like, would you claim that you do that yourself? Right? Do you crawl down into your stomach and digest your food, you don't, right? So in the same way that you wouldn't attribute that to yourself, actually you can't attribute the motion of your arm. Okay. Um, Allah has soul power. There is not a single being that can raise a finger to Allah. Like, like you know, think of two scenarios, right? Well, like we, we're trying to understand Allah's power, right? Yeah, right? Um, think of one being, yeah, you know, he's got great, great power, but, um, you know, he's more powerful than every other being, let's say. But he lives in a universe where there are other beings that also have power, you know. Um, and if he wants to, um, you know, like if those beings do something that he doesn't want them to do, um, like, one, like let's say a man goes to punch another man, he has to act to stop him, you know. He has to, like, physically stop him right, in some way or other, okay. That's one kind of a um, scenario. That's one kind of being with power. But now... This is how Allah is, right? Um, he has power and no other being has power, okay? So that no one can, yeah, like if he does not will for you to raise your hand to punch someone, if he does not in the first place will and permit that and in fact enable that, it's not going to happen. There's no way to make it happen. No one else has power, okay? Um, you know, and actually, like, when you think about it hard, it's not... Uh, that difficult to see that that has to be the case, you know, because like when, like if you were to look at your own arm at the um, fundamental level and you know at very very deep um, microscopic levels, um, you see that there are all these um, subatomic particles, and actually they're separated by distance. You know, there's actually great great distances between particles, right? You know, people that study physics would probably be aware of this. You know, there are distances between them, right? They're not sort of stuck together in the way they seem in the macro world um, all of those particles like when my arm moves from here to there look they're all made to move like in a sense in unison so they're not stuck together yet they're all acting kind of like synchronized swimmers in you know um, this ocean that is this field of space that we're in okay they all just move <laughs> you know and they move without compromising their order yeah, like um, when my arm moves, like the, my veins just sort of fly off into outer space or my arteries, you know, um, get all twisted up or, you know, the, my muscles just fall off. 
nothing goes wrong, you know. Like, you know, try to carry too many, um, like after you have dinner one day, try to carry too many plates and, and, and cups and stuff and like see what happens, right? They're going to fall over, right? <laughs> You've got here millions and billions of subatomic particles and they're all moving in the most orderly way, right? Um, already they're undergoing extremely complex operations, right? Um, just even when apparently stationary, they're actually not stationary, they're undergoing complex, complex uh, motions. Um, but then, like, under certain circumstances, like, for example, when I make a choice, right, when I, when I choose for my arm to move, what happens is that, yeah, Allah moves that arm for me, um, you know, he accepts that dua. No, that's what it is, actually, it's a dua. He accepts that dua and he allows my arm to move without spoiling its order at all. Um, and this continues, right? This continues until the term of your appointed life, okay? Um, at which point, then Allah also creates your death, meaning that you disintegrate and you become one with the earth. Even that can't happen without Allah's power, right? So, you know, that's what it means in part to believe in Qadr. actually means that. It means to give everything to Allah, every motion of every particle, right? And, you know, and every macroscopic object. All to Allah. Nothing can happen in the physical world other than Allah. Okay. Now, we need to believe this. Uh, it's one of, as I say, the six tenets of um, the six pillars of Iman. Right? Now, next thing we now have to understand is how does this work if um, there's going to be a day of judgment, right? Like the fifth um, tenet of faith was that there's going to be a day of judgment. Right? If there's going to be a day of judgment, Presumably, I'm going to be held to account, right, for things that I've done wrong. And potentially, I'm going to be rewarded, inshallah, um, if I've done some things good. Okay. Um, if that's all true, right, um, well, if that's true, then how does that, how can that be reconciled with this notion that Allah does everything? <laughs> Allah does everything. Um, well, that's where this matter of um, free will comes in and needs to be understood correctly, okay? What, what is it to have free will? Right? It's juzi ittiyade, right? Juzi irade. Limited free will. It's limited in countless ways. Limited in many, many ways, right? Um, you, it's limited in this sense, right? First and foremost, and most importantly. You choose something, right? And that choosing, it's a mental act, right? So, and what is a mental act? It's something that your ruh does. Yeah? You've got a spirit, a ruh, and it has all these faculties attached to it, right? You've got right, a mind, right? You know, you, um, you've got uh, like the ability to engage in ratiocination. You know, um, you've got intellect, in other words, right? You can calculate and reason and things like that. Um, these are all faculties that the um, uh, spirit has. Um, you've got qalb, uh, right? Uh, you've got a heart, um, and that heart is what. Um, contains all your beliefs, right? You know, you've got this whole set of things that you believe and um, then you've got a memory through which you can retain those beliefs, right? You've got all of these immaterial faculties and among those faculties is this fact that, of course, also you've got consciousness. I shouldn't neglect to mention, right? You are a conscious being. Right? And what Allah does is that he presents to your conscious self, right? moment by moment, a whole series of choices. Right? Um, a set of choices from which you can choose. Um, you 
lean toward one of those choices, right? You know, um, you say, yes, I like that one, <laughs> you know, all right? Like, for example, I, right now I can choose to either continue talking or take a break for a moment and um, try to drink some water uh, or get up and walk to the door and so on and so on, right? Um, I engage in this mental act. So it's not a physical act at all. It's a mental act in which I um, choose, I decide, Right? Out of the choices that Allah has made me aware of, which one should I go for? <laughs> right? I choose one. Now, this power of choice is limited in this very important sense. Right? Uh, it's impotent to actually um, achieve its objective. Like, um, right, so it's impotent to actuate its choice. Right? I'll put it that way. Yeah, like um, I choose, for example, to continue talking. I don't actually have the power to give effect to that choice. That part right, is up to Allah. Okay? That part is out there in the physical world, isn't it? Right? For me to talk, what has to happen is that, yeah, you know, my mouth has to move um, and all sorts of physical events have to occur. All of that is done by Allah. Right? You choose. That choosing acts as a kind of asking Allah, right? Um, in a way, yeah? in a way, it's a dua. It's a supplication to Allah. Right? Ya Allah, you know, bring it about that I can um, have this particular uh, thing, right? that I can actuate this particular choice. Then most of the time what Allah does is he allows you to carry out your choice. Every now and again he doesn't allow it. Right? Doesn't it sometimes happen that you know, a man stands up and tries to walk from here to there and just falls over and has a heart attack and dies? Right? Or um, doesn't it sometimes happen that um, a man applies for a, a, a certain university course or a certain job um, uh, and he can't get it, right? And so on and so on, right? Like you can think of countless examples. You don't always get to have what you want to have or what you choose to have. You don't always get it. Um, uh, you don't always get to move your arm when you want. Like, you know, sometimes you can just um, experience paralysis. Maybe rarely, but it can happen. Um, and yeah, you know, all of that just um, is, you know, uh, very much a consequence of this fact that you do not have any power to create physical uh, effects in the world. Your only power, your only, I mean, you don't, it doesn't even deserve to be called a power. The only ability that you have, right? And again, it's thanks to Allah. Like, if, if it wasn't up to him, if he didn't allow you to choose, you couldn't even choose, <laughs> right? You couldn't even choose. Like, moment by moment, if Allah didn't, keep you conscious, alive, conscious, um, aware, and able to engage in free choices, right? Uh, you wouldn't be able to do that either. But he enables you to do that. He allows you to freely choose, and you can do that. You can freely choose what you want to do. Right? Then Allah has to be the one who gives effect to that choice, right? Does everyone understand that? Does that make sense? Because that there, yeah, is the most critical thing to understand in this whole um, uh, thing, right? Um, we don't like we it would be nothing short of shirk to think that you too have power to create physical effects in the world right? um, because it would be contrary to divine unity right because part of what it means for allah to be to be one right to be ahad and wahid right, and fard, right all of his various names that look to his uh, oneness and unity right? what it means for him to be one in part is this that Right? Only he has the names and attributes that he does. Right? Only he has power. Okay? Um, 
and other beings yeah like they only can engage in um you know physical events and things like that if to the extent that he enables it all right so that's how free will relates to qadr all right you choose right and then allah allah brings about your um um gives effect to your choice now but how does this relate to the fact that everything has been planned at least logically prior to its occurrence right like so you know um right i said at the start allah had a plan like before he created all this physical physical universe with all of its um events and all of its effects right he had a plan for how it's going to play out how does that work if I've got free will? Right? Now, the answer to that is just this. Right? Allah is a timeless being. Okay? Um, he knows what you'll choose right, in any given situation that he, that he puts you in. All right? He knows all your free choices. Okay? Um, he creates the universe the way he does, taking into account your free choices. Okay, um, I'll give an example. Right? I'll give an example to make this understandable. Okay, um, tonight is Lele Bara. Right, um, it's one of you know the um, one of at least four nights during the year. You know where um, if you worship on that night, your the value of your deeds is greatly multiplied. The the hasana that you get is greatly multiplied. Right, you know um, on this night, you know our scholars uh, say that. Um, for one deed, for which you would normally get, you are, what, 10 hasana? You get 20,000 hasana. Okay. Um, so it's a night worth worshipping, but maximally, right? Maximally. Okay. Um, but also, like, on nights like this, you know, we ask for certain things, and they're more acceptable, right, than on other occasions. Okay. So make, you know, you make dua, for example, for, for rizq, you know, for sustenance, or to get into a certain course or to gain a certain job um to marry a certain person um etc etc right you know you have certain desires right certain things that you want from allah right certain things that you want to ask allah for okay um on this particular night you know yeah you know you make dua right um and there's a great much greater chance of it's being accepted right now uh of course allah might not always give you exactly what you want when you want it right i mean being a being of absolute wisdom absolute beauty and perfection he knows that some of the things that you want are good for you right so therefore you know Bidizman discusses this elsewhere you know like why doesn't why don't we always get what we make do our for straight away um well you know sometimes it's better for you to have that thing later or it's better for you to have something different right uh, or that thing's not good for you at all so it's better for you not to have it at all etc right um allah knows what we don't and he acts in accordance with that. He does what's best for you. Okay. Um, but anyway, you know, um, but many of the things we ask for, Allah does grant. Okay. Um, but how does that work? Like when we're saying that Allah has already planned everything. Okay. Um, if my rizq has already been planned, like Allah has already determined, right, right from the outset, like how much rizq am I going to get? What difference does it make if I make dua? Someone might say. What difference does it make if I make the free choice on a certain night of the year to make dua? Right? Um, you know, if it's written in the preserved tablet, the law for my fools, there's a record there, right? Turhan, in his whole life, he's going to earn um, a total of um, $10 million. <laughs> All right? 
Um, if that's already written there, what's the point of me tonight making dua for that job that pays more than my current job? What's the point, right? Um, no, 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 that's the wrong way to think about it, right? Um, let's say uh, I don't make dua, right? Or I don't work hard. Um, I'm just lazy and I sit at home, right? Um, and therefore I only earn $5 million instead of $10 million, right? The reason why Allah wrote that I'm going to earn $5 million is because he knew that I was never going to make dua, right? And that I wasn't going to ask and that I wasn't going to work hard, right? He decided what my, what the extent of my rizq is going to be, right? On the basis of all the effort that he knew that I was going to put in, right? So Qadr is written right based on partly based on your choices all right it's not separate from it it's they're intertwined okay um and allah can do this right because see for him right he's not a being who's in time like for us that seems impossible it seems temporally impossible right how could you have um how could you have known what i'm going to make dua for even before i made dua for it to think of Allah like that is to turn him into a limited temporal being like us. Allah is an unlimited being. And for him, as Bedizman describes elsewhere, right, um, for him, the past, present and future, it's all there as though at once. Okay? Um, it's just like, you know, like, yeah. Um, I mean, even some scholars of, uh, even in the secular world, some scholars of um, um, our time, you know, um, uh, they think of like, uh, the universe is this sort of four-dimensional um, block, right? Where time is this fourth dimension and it's sort of all there all at once. Um, now, I don't say that that's how the world really is. But from Allah's perspective, it may as well be like that because he sees it. Like, it's not like, like, like think of this, right? It's not as though Allah has to wait for the future to come about in order to see what you're going to do. Right? It's already there. He's like, it's happening already there in front of him in a sense right um yeah he does not need to wait it's not as though the past is lost for him like it's lost for us yeah like can i go back to the past to even one second in the past or one year in the past i can't it's sort of behind me right it's gone i can't access it um and the future for me is yet to um come about yeah i can't go to it i'm sort of stuck in the present but for allah that's not the case okay not at all all right so Therefore, you know, um, it's very much feasible for Allah to take into account um, that which seems like it's in the future for me. Right? From my perspective, it seems like the choices that I'm going to make in the future are in the future. <laughs> you know, uh, so therefore, how can Allah take them into account in planning this universe? Um, but no, that's, to think of it like that is to limit Allah. All right? It's to misunderstand um, the perfection of this being. Okay. Um, now the next thing that we, the final thing, like I know I've gone, uh, I hope I'm not detaining you guys like from anything, um, yeah, uh, we did start a few minutes late, so um, yeah, uh, in my last five minutes, um, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll just um, touch on this last point, and by the way guys, this um, session is recorded, so if anyone does ever need to leave early, you know, you can always um, catch up, you know, uh, by listening uh, to the podcast later on, um, but yeah, you know, last thing that I need to talk about, right, is this important issue like of um talking about right um under what circumstances can um i blame kader for things right like yeah like can i blame kader for things um and on the flip side like who's responsible for um the 
good and the bad that I do. Who's responsible, right? So, yeah, that's the key thing, right? So, okay, um, very succinctly, right? Um, the situation is like this, okay? Uh, because of the fact that uh, all of the physical events that occur out there in the world are all created by Allah, right? They're all up to Allah to create. Um, I can't really take ownership of any of the good that I appear to be involved in, like physically speaking, right? Like, I don't know, like, let, let, let's pretend, right? There's a man who's um, begging for money in the city. Yeah, he's begging for money. Um, here's a physical event in which I put my hand in my pocket. I take out, um, you know, uh, a dollar coin and I put it in the man's hat, right? So that's physical, at least a partly physical event, right? Um, we've already spoken about how that physical event has to be created by Allah, okay? Um, so I can't, like, claim ownership of that. So but this is what I'm saying, right? Your share in good deeds is extremely small, right? So we're going to see how small it is now, right? Um, I can't claim ownership of that physical event, right, in which that man is given a dollar coin. Even though it's my body that seems to be involved in it, um, it's up to Allah to move all of those particles, okay? So that doesn't belong to me. We already right, spoke about that. Um, then what about when that man goes and spends that dollar coin and buys something to eat, let's say, um, and then there's this sort of whole set of physical and non-physical um, events that occur, right? Uh, there's a physical event in which he goes and buys the food, then he eats it, um, so all that's physical, but then there's this sort of non-physical aspect in which before he was experiencing this pain of hunger, and then he's experiencing the pleasure of the food and the pleasure of being satiated from his hunger. Right? They're all immaterial mental events, aren't they? Right? They're all up to Allah to create. I don't create those. Okay? Um, so my share in that good right, um, is also you know, uh, non-existent. <laughs> all right. um, then what's left? Well, you might say, well, at least, at least this belongs to me. I'm the one, right? Didn't I say earlier that my free choices are free? Right, yeah, didn't I say that a moment ago? Right, my free choices are really mine. Okay, um, why can't I at least claim that I've done good in respect of that? Can't I say, hey, look at me, I made a good choice? Can't I say that? Okay, um, I can partly, I can say this. I can say yes, I did freely choose to do that good thing. Right, but I can't claim the goodness of it as belonging to me. And the reason for that is that, right, um, well, there's a long, long list of reasons, right, but the main ones are this, right? First and foremost, Allah was the one who commanded the doing of that good deed, right? Um, if it wasn't for Allah, like put it this way, if it wasn't for Allah, I could not have even desired to choose such a good thing, okay? Um, Allah has given me hidayah, guidance, in countless ways to make it possible, right, for me to make that good choice. Okay. Ultimately, it is free, and I could have chosen the opposite. I could have chosen instead to steal his money, right, rather than give him some money. I could have done that, you know. Um, but, right, um, you know, um, instead I, cho I chose well. Well, the goodness of that, right, largely belongs to Allah, right, because, right, He's the one who commands it, and He's the one who makes it possible, right. And you know, moreover, right. Actually, all goodness right, is really just, um, and I won't have time to really elaborate on this point, right? I'll have to speak about that another week, but really, all goodness right, is really just a mirror to his beauty, right? Like, in the sense that there's beauty here in this world, right? 
only as a reflection of his beauty okay um like imagine i've got a mirror here yeah um and i hold it up to the sun and i see in the mirror the sun yeah and i even feel its um, warmth and i see its light and everything yeah and it's and so on and so on like a lot of the properties of the uh, sun seem to be there right but it's just a reflection right it's not the sun's not really there is it the sun's over there right so the beauty of the sun right, and its properties are being reflected in my mirror yeah? Well, the whole universe is like that. It's a reflection of Allah's beauty. If it wasn't for Allah manifesting his power and all of his different names and attributes, his mercy, his compassion, his wisdom, and so on and so on, if it wasn't for Allah manifesting those here in this universe, they wouldn't exist. Right? They belong to him. Right? Just like a beautiful artwork, right? Um, right? belongs to its beauty sort of belongs to the artist doesn't it yeah like there, there, there's a beautiful artwork belongs to picasso right picasso painted it can i say that the beauty of the artwork it belongs to the paint and the canvas um and the frame and stuff like that of course not of course it couldn't exist it couldn't manifest that beauty but for the artistry of the one who painted it right exactly like that very much like that this whole universe would be able to have would would manifest no beauty no goodness of any sort whatsoever aesthetic or or other right at all if it wasn't for allah's artistry and beauty and mercy and compassion right um so what happens is that he commands us to come to know that beauty right he wants us to know his beauty and one of the main ways that we come to know his beauty is by actually you know engaging in acts of goodness right um Right, one of the main ways that we fulfill our job as worshippers, right, is by actually making good choices and experiencing, you know, what it feels like, for example, to show compassion to someone um, and give him some money when he needs and so on. It's through actions like that, largely, that we come to know Allah's beauty. Hence, he commands that we do it, okay? He wants us to experience his beauty. It's a wondrous thing, all right? Um, so now why can I why should I be able to take ownership of that beauty right when it's just a reflection of his beauty um, and the only reason why he's asking me to engage in he's asking me to he's commanding me indeed to engage in acts like that so I can know his beauty can I really claim ownership of that beauty for myself it doesn't belong to me I'm just getting a chance to experience it all right that's the key point right I could not do that but for him now the situation is completely the opposite when it comes to my evil choices right so we've just seen in very because uh, i've run out of time in very succinct form right we've seen that i can't claim ownership of my good choices but when, when it comes to evil right if i make an evil choice right, that does belong to me right? and it's easy to see why it's because contrary to the situation like when i made a good choice Allah didn't command that I make that evil choice, did he? When I made the good choice, I did it based on a command from him, based on hidayah from him, based on, you know, like he sent prophets, he sent scriptures, he sent good friends, halakas, um, a billion things, a billion things that enabled me to make that good choice. And then, you know, every now and again, I actually take heed of that guidance and I make a good choice. Right. Um, but when it comes to my bad choices, they're not based on hidayah at all he didn't guide me to make bad choices in fact he warned me with awesome threats not to make those bad choices i make those bad choices um very much of my own volition right in the face of yeah extreme warnings extreme threats um i still make those bad choices therefore they have to belong to me 
Um, sure, I couldn't have made that bad choice if he didn't give me the power of free will, all right? Um, but he didn't ask me to use my or misuse my free will in that way, you know? Um, now, you might say, well, why... Allah could have prevented us from making those evil choices just by not giving us any free will at all. But if he had done that, then we're not going to be able to make any good choices. right? And then if we can't make any good choices, then there's um, going to be no means by which we can be tested, no means by which we can come to more fully know Allah. Okay? You know, our, as I said, our ability to know Allah is very much tied up um, you know, in this business of you know, um, making the right choices. Um, so yeah, we're not going to be able to come to know Allah. So there'll be a great, great loss. What does Bedouin Zaman say? He says there, um, in order to avoid the minor evil, right, in beings making bad choices, right, um, yeah, Allah could take away your ability to choose, right. But then far, far greater evil would be committed. What that evil would be would be this, right? Allah's beauty would go unknown. All right, it would go. It would be not appreciated as fully as it could be. And that, once you understand um, the nature of divine beauty, um, you see that that is a great, great loss. That is an, that is an infinite loss. Okay? Because we're talking about an infinite beauty. Right? To miss out on an infinite gain is an infinite loss. Okay? Um, so, yeah, I'll end there, guys. I've gone for an hour and five. Uh, I apologise. Um, uh, yeah, so in, um, in summary, you know, um, we've just spoken about like, how is it that... Um, divine determining you know in other words the idea that Allah is the one who um, you know plans and then gives effect to the whole plan of creation how does that how can that be reconciled with free will and who is responsible for my for the beauty of my good choices versus the evil of my incorrect choices that that's been a topic of our discussion I hope that it's um, been useful inshallah subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka antal alim al-hakim uh, and we usually just finish with a fatiha um, and then we can if there are any questions we can we can uh, certainly uh, cover them if you guys want um, so uh, yeah but we'll finish with a fatiha lillah al-fatiha jazakullah khair thanks for listening guys appreciate it um, so yeah, over to you guys. Like if um, uh, if you if you need to head off, uh, we can head off. Um, but otherwise, if you uh, have any questions, if there was anything that was unclear, please feel free to um, um, ask, and I'll try to clarify. Yeah, um, it's up to you guys. Yeah. So. Um, I have just one yeah, please. Yeah. Um, you said that um, obviously the Okay, yep. So, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to think is that even though maybe the action was determined by Allah, yep. we still get that reward as if. That's correct, that's correct. Yes, because, the, and, and the reason for that is that there's a principle in the religion, right, that goes like this, right? Um, uh, the cause is like the dua, right? Um, so, like, it's like this, right? If. Um, Let's say you want to go to um, right, uh, the mosque, right, to um, read Quran, 
okay? Um, I drive you there, right? On my way to work, I drive you and I drop you off there. I get the huss in it, right, of that. With the right intention, right, if I have the, the right intention, in other words, if I'm doing it for Allah's pleasure, okay, if I'm doing it with the hope of gaining Allah's pleasure and not, you know, because, you know, of any other um, benefit, um, uh, then, yeah, whatever hasana you gain, um, I get it in equal proportion, uh, in equal. Like, um, it's not like as though it's uh, split up, like, you know, like how profits are shared, like, in, in the world. Like, no, it's not diminished in any way, right? If you got, you know, a thousand hasana, I get a thousand hasana too. Um, and it's very much within Allah's, um, it's very much in keeping with Allah's uh, absolute uh, generosity, you know, his name of um, Al-Kareem, Right? Um, and, and, and names and attributes like that right? um, his wealth and his uh, generosity and his mercy and compassion it's very much in keeping with that that he should do that right? it's so generous right? it's such an act of generosity like, and, and the paradigm act of generosity is this you didn't do one of the um, like not one of the good physical events that occurred in this world truly belong to you and even your free choices hardly belong to you Yet you're given, look at your, look at your um, reward, right? An eternal Jannah, an eternal paradise, right? Um, you know, in return for, for belief um, and, you know, good action, um, in other words, good choices, you are given something that, like, even if you, you know, uh, like, even if you had a thousand lives and you did nothing but good for all thousand of them, you could never, ever become deserved of that. And that's well known in the religion, right? Nobody deserves Jannah. Um, it's always an act of generosity. It's an act of generosity. So yeah, yeah, you do get the hasana, but it's not in any sense you you getting that hasana. It's not um, uh, because of the physical action as such. It's rather because of the um, good choice. And it's for that reason that sometimes what happens is that you intend to do something and it doesn't happen. Yet you still get the hasana. Wow, we. <laughs> you know, you know I, I just I really, if you were smart, you would just sit there all day and just like intend to do all good things. And you know, it's like, like if only I was rich, I would end world starvation. I would do this and I would do that. Just, just you know, have good thoughts, right? have good thoughts and make good plans, right? Um, contingent, they're very contingent. If I'm rich, I'm going to do this, right? Um, and you sort of get the hustle from like in accordance with your seriousness and um, ikhlas, in accordance with your you know, how genuine you are and how sincere you are uh, in, in, in those intentions. You get it. Because, um, why not? Because you don't get it for the actual... Allah's not relying on you to feed people. Yeah. Uh, he's not relying on you to bring about one, not one of the physical events in the world. Um, what you're being punished or rewarded for are mental events. Your mental events and the non-physical qalb um, that you form, right? Because out of those like because right, how does it work right what happens is um you 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 choose well um and you get in the habit of choosing well and then you start you know forming beliefs about um choosing well and so on right um that's just your heart right what is a cult other than you know um the set of things that you believe and desire and intend and things like that you know um you mold your um cult um, yeah, largely like out of the way that you use your free will. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's not in any sense dependent upon anything that happens in the physical world. You know what I mean? Like you could be a quadriplegic, um, 
you know, um, yeah, you could have lost lost all your limbs in 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 a war um, and gained great great hasana just by being a torso in a bed. <laughs> you know, simple as that. You know, so yeah. yeah. Yes. When yeah. You do the action, it gets multiplied by, I believe, something around ten times or something like that. Yes. 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 Indeed. 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 Yeah. That's true. Um, uh, so yeah, you're right. Like you make, like let's pretend that a certain um, good deed, right? Um, uh, like you. Like, like when you go to sleep, you mm. tend to wake up with hundred. Mm-hmm. You already as if got the reward of. That's right. That's right. And 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 but what Allah takes into account, of course, is the value of that deed, right? So yeah, sure. Like it's only I get only one hasana, maybe, right? Because I intended it, um, but then like let's say I didn't get around to doing it, you know. So I, I get one hasana. If I had have actually gone ahead and done it, I would have got ten hasana. But but that one hasana could be extremely valuable, right? Because it depends on what it is, you know. Um, yeah, because it, like every. Um, uh, thing that you intend to do has its own sort of value like actions they're not all equal they're not equal at all like um, like the man who puts in great great effort um, to do like you know like great great sacrifice and gives like you know half his wealth like you know an Abu Bekr, for example you know gives like half or all of his wealth right you know um, uh, to somebody compared to someone like who's quite wealthy and he gives a dull coin you know of course the two aren't equal you know um, so therefore to intend to do the one is more valuable than just intending to do the other as well you know so yeah do you want to ask if there is a musalla here in this building there's yeah there's one very close um, there, there's do you know where the main musalla is um, there's a musalla like just a short walk down there Sounds but the business school yes, yes. yeah uh, I live in Hafteen there I, sure. I, I heard that there is yeah, sure. We can point it out to you where it is, but if you need to pray in a hurry, st- like just go into that room or something. There's nobody here. We'll 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 stand guard here, you know, for a few minutes. Where, where is the qibla? Uh, qibla is going to be toward that wall. This yeah, uh, that wall there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you go, yeah, wherever you're comfortable. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. We'll we'll wait for you, inshallah. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem, sister. Yeah, yeah. Brother, if you need to go, it's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. You're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cease this recording anyway. Um, and yeah, we can just chat informally. So yeah, thanks for uh, tuning in, whoever's listened. Um, yeah, and shall I catch us next week? Okay, salam alaikum.